0: Head to toe—that's our new series. I want you to imagine that you're a day out, the day before a big job interview, or a date, or a big decision, or maybe you're you're sort of you've got your glasses sort of you know in your in your mouth and you're staring, gazing out pensively out the window of the of the Oval Office. That's you, and you've got a huge decision to make, and you've got some difficult problem, and and you realize that you really need help (laughs) with your decision or your big moment, and you keep showing up as yourself. So often, so often, what we think is gonna make the difference in life's big moments, the way we perform in that moment, but when really, what makes all the difference in life's big moments are the little moments that lead up to it. You and I are being formed all life through, formed from innermost identity to outermost influence. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at the, the way and the fact that the Christian faith has the tools to form us for God's very best. Christian faith has the tools to form you, innermost identity to outermost influence, for the good life, the life that he intended for you. Let's take a look at the way he forms us by his word this morning. From Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through through 3, would you open up the scripture's Pull it up on your app. Open it up in the Bible you brought. If you don't have one, uh, take a look at the screens. And uh, let's give reverent attention to the reading of God's word. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed, the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited. May God bless us this morning through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless us now to be formed by your word, heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Pete Pete Scazzaro is a pastor in uh, New England, and I've... I've quoted him before in here uh, a time or two, where he he said after twenty two years of ministry of leading a church, he had a a brutal realization. <laughs> His wife, Jerry, helped him make this realization after she quit the church. She said, "That church, you you uh, pastor, I quit." It was a pretty pretty pivotal time for them, and. Uh, Now they have a completely different kind of marriage, a completely different kind of ministry. I've learned a lot from his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and he said this. He said, I realized that uh, I was 22 years a Christian, but uh, I was not a 22-year-old Christian. I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Sometimes we get in the same pattern. We circle the cul-de-sac, and we think, all right. This is good. I'm just going to maintain right here. Is that all you want? God is offering to shape us all life through, and he shapes us by his word. He shapes us by his word because there's an author behind the word. The word has an author, and that author has an influence on you when you connect with the word when you're moved by the word and directed by the word, that's where we're going. That God the Father influences us to form us when we connect with the word, are moved by the word and directed by the word. But first, he brings influence as an author who is faithful. He says, He who is faithful, he began a good work in you, is faithful to complete it. Isn't that wonderful promise? I mean, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Let that just sink in for a minute. The author and perfecter of your faith has made a promise to you that he wants to fulfill by his word. He wants to connect with you through his word. Not just principles about him, but through the word for him to reveal himself to you. Because God's word is his meaningful, powerful self expression. He wants to connect personally, not just give you principles. You see, that's why every time I preach, I try to surface some kind of need. You remember that? The glasses and the gazing, and you've got the date coming, and you've got um, you know, big decision, you know, you felt that, right? I mean, you feel like, and then I said, you know what? And then in those moments, we show up ourselves, right? We show up ourselves. I'm trying to surface a need. It's a need I feel. It's a need you feel. You know, there are chronic problems that I face. I come back and I keep thinking, boy, that, that door just won't open, right? And you know what? I realize I keep showing up as me, <laughs> right, don't you, don't you, stop looking at me, what are you doing looking at me, look at yourself people, you keep showing up as you, and that's great, but what got you here might not get you there, and so God, the author of his word, wants to meet you in his word, not just with a set of principles, not just with do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts, cans and can'ts, here's a list of things to do, Here's a shadow box. Here's some needlepoint you can put on your wall. And you I mean, he's saying he is presenting himself. Look at that, verse one. Long ago, in various times, many ways, and many, many times, God spoke through our forefathers and prophets in those various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, by his son. Himself. Oppenheim said the best way to send a message is to wrap it in a person, right? The person of Jesus Christ, God the Father, came to connect with us. You know, I think a lot of times what we think of as, as, um, as what we're looking for on Sunday is information, but what we need is formation, and that comes by personal influence, that you connect with God. You see, that's why I don't always just go line by line through a text. I don't preach just line by line by line by line. I think a lot of people uh, make a a, a pretty big error in equating expository preaching with line by line teaching. A lot of people like that. You know why? Because it lets them stay distant from God. Not always, but sometimes. It's like, just give us information and we'll, we'll we'll try harder. Give us good stuff. And then we'll try to implement that good stuff. Just teach us, treat, treat us as heads, but not as whole. Just speak to us like we're intellects, not that we have heart and soul, mind and strength. Because it's just easier to take that information and we'll process it kind of on our own time and not be inconvenienced. You see, I mean, that's how we are as, as people, that's how we are. And I think a lot of times, this kind of false equival- equivalence between line-by-line teaching and, and, uh, and, and expository preaching, expository preaching just simply means you're bringing out the meaning, the author's original intent. What does God intend for us through this text? What does he intend? He intends to connect with you through Jesus Christ, through the person of Jesus Christ, not just give you information about him, but to present himself to you personally. And so we have to read the whole passage and understand what is God saying, not just what line by line are the principles that we can draw out for our American lives that are so wrinkle-free, right? I think we make two mistakes when when we think of it line by line. We think of points, but we don't get to the point, which is to connect with the person. We get points, but we don't get to the person. And God's point is always to reveal himself through his meaningful, powerful self-revelation. Not just meaning, but the power of the influence of the author of the word, through his word preached, through his word taught, memorized, meditated on. Don't miss the point in the points, you see? The second mistake that we make by this false equivalency between line by line and expository preaching. Again, expository preaching is do the work. What's the passage saying? Bring it out and apply it to people. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Get into their moment. That's what God is doing. Jesus taught again and again through parables. Not because he wanted to moralize. See, that's the second mistake that we sometimes make. It Just sort of implicitly, it's just like, I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff, and then you're supposed to go do it. And then you miss the point in the points. When Jesus is saying, he's comparing the father in the prodigal son to this father, the, 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 the heavenly father, your heavenly father, to a father who would pick up his robes, right, and show his ankles and go running, to meet his son? When he's comparing himself to the woman who's turning over every you know, cushion in her house to find a lost coin? When he's saying he's the, the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go into the thicket to get scratched up and to find that missing one? Is he just about points? Or is the author of the word trying to connect? With you. He has spoken to us by his son. Person. Not just principles. You see, when you connect with the person. And not just with the principles. He continues to form you into the likeness of the son. Second is this. We aren't just getting information. But we're getting formation. By the word. When the author influences us by moving us, are you moved by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you moved? Not just, hey, this is a great story, and hey, this is a hopeful word in the midst of all the craziness that happened this past week, but are you moved by what he did? Not what he's, by what he's calling you to do, inspired to do, but what he did. Does that move you? You see, when it does, it gives you a new motive. A new reason to do good. A new reason to get up in the morning. A new reason to be disciplined. A new reason to be happy. There's a book called uh, the, the Christian Secret to uh, Christian Life. Uh, it sounds kind of like a cheesy title, but it was written in the 1800s, mid-1800s, by a woman who was about 40 years old. Uh, Hannah Whitehall-Smith has sold about 10 million copies. My college roommate has been handing this out like pancakes, like, here, 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 here. Read this book. And there's a reason why. I, I, I made my way through it a few weeks ago, and one of the things that jumped out at me was her clarity between the law and the gospel. What moves us under the law is the threat. What moves us under the gospel is a promise fulfilled. And she begins to paint this contrast. She says, under the law, it's do this and you will live. Under the gospel, it's here's life and now you have a new reason to do this. Under the law, uh, it it demands, the law demands holiness. Under the gospel, God gives holiness. Under the law, obedience earns blessing. Under the gospel, blessing motivates obedience. You see? Verse 2 and 3. Jesus is the exact representation of God for the purification of sins. You see that? Go back and read it. So you've got this outline, by the way, in your bulletin. I failed to point this out. There, are the, the, there, There's three points in here, and we're on the second point, and this is how God moves us, right? He forms us by moving us, by giving us a new motive. Uh, that, that, that's provided there in your bulletin so you can see where we're going. He, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Boy, there's, there's not a lot of daylight between what God is saying and what he means, right? He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now, if you put yourself outside the tent of meeting in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness... And you recognize that the Shekinah glory cloud is coming, right? The presence of God. Or maybe you're standing there with Moses and and the burning bush, the bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And you're thinking, what is happening here? And the voice comes and says, remove your shoes, right? This, This gospel message, this word of God, tells us what God did. It's not giving us advice so much as it's saying, this is an announcement, right? It's an announcement, not just advice for good living. It's saying God did something that we couldn't do. Does that move you? I heard of this story about this little boy who was asked to donate blood for his sister. And they said, you know, very, very young boy and uh, kind of young to be donating blood. I mean, the age, I, I'm not exactly sure what age it was, but uh but he was sort of hesitant, and he said, "Well, may I think about it overnight?" His sister needed a blood transfusion, and they they thought, "Well, it'd be a good thing to make sure that he she gets blood that's not, you know, that's that is obviously good blood." And he had the same blood type, so he thought about it overnight, and um, he woke up the next morning. He told his parents that he was willing to do it, and they took him to the hospital, and they um, they, they were about to insert the um, the uh, the IV and and and. I won't go any further that because some of you all are getting a little queasy, but it's okay. It's going to be fine. That's the end of that. Okay, so then he said to, he said to the, the nurse, when will I go to sleep? And she said, well, it's not going to hurt that much. And he said, no, no, when, will I, when am I going to die? He thought that giving blood, that they were taking all his blood. That's why he needed a night to think about it. And here is this incredible act of love. Imagine being that sister. Imagine being those parents seeing the willingness to do something like that, to substitute yourself, to say, okay, she's not going to die, I'm going to die. Well, you don't have to imagine. That's you. This is the good news about what God did. And it gives us a new motive, a new motive. you see a new reason to get up in the morning, a new reason to look at the world and say there 's hope, a new reason to uh, to pitch in on that. you know I, I think about this uh, when when people used to ask me, "Why do I love my wife?" I used to um, I, it used to puzzle me, and now, when I see young lovers when I see when I meet with them and they 're getting ready for their their life together and 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 I'm watching and I, I, I ask them a similar question and they're kind of stumped about it, it always encourages me. Because you know what? The best answer, when you're in love and you're going to get married and someone says, why do you love the other person? You know what the best answer is? Just because. That's the best answer. Just because. I just do. It's because of who she is who he is, just because. That's our new motive. That's the motive that we get. That's the motive of a new life in Christ. That's the motive of looking at the gospel, looking at the word of God as what he did, not just what he calls us to do. Finally this, we are formed, and not just informed, when we connect with the influence of the author by connecting with the author himself, when, he, when we step out and we begin to do those things that he's called us to do just, just because, just because, when we start doing the things he calls us to do just because, there are things he will only do in us when he is working or as he is working through us. You get it? That's the point. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to finish this up. But make sure you understand, there are some things that God will only do in you as he's working through you. He connects with you there. And maybe it was something you thought was crazy. that didn't make sense. And he brought healing because you you forgave. You thought, this doesn't make sense to forgive that person. And something happened in you because you did that. He's asking you to sacrifice and to serve. And you're thinking, I need that for something else, or i, I don 't have time for that I, you know what that seems futile to me, and he does something in you because you obey just because i uh, i've been this is kind of crazy i, I don 't recommend this, but i 've been watching old Bill Buckley interviews uh, from the the sixties uh, firing firing line some of you all might remember that if you do then uh, we 're going to help you get to your car but that 's okay um, we 're glad you 're here. Uh, but firing line um, Bill Buckley would have these <laughs> Bill Buckley would have these interviews with people, including Mother Teresa and he had this interview with Mother Teresa and he was it, Bill Buckley was not um, um, bill Bill Buckley respected and admired and I think was somewhat puzzled by Mother Teresa and her sacrifice and he wanted to ask her about suffering in the world and she said her answer was simply this we we, we enter into suffering so that we can participate in the suffering of Jesus. He said, no, I asked you about suffering in the world. Why is there suffering in the world? He said, well, we enter into it in order to participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that when, we're, so that when we are participating with the sufferings of Christ, we actually are, are engaging with people who are hurting the way Jesus engages with us. You see... This is an unanswerable question sometimes in your life and mine. Why does God allow suffering? Except He's given us an answer, and that is, go enter in. See, verse 3 says this: that, that Jesus sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. What did God do when he sat down at the end of the creation narrative? What did God do when he sat down? He ruled and reigned over over all that he had made. He said, it is very good. Well, Jesus is saying, we're we're doing that again, and it's through you. We're, We're rebuilding something. We're rebuilding you from the inside out, first and foremost, and we're beginning to rebuild the world around you according to the kingdom vision that God originally had. And so, you know, you can see in the Genesis account, it says, because it had not rained, no trees or shrubs had yet grown on the earth. You see, sometimes God creates something like the church in order to create through the church. He creates a new person in you in order to create something through you. This is so clearly tied to the Genesis narrative that Jesus, the very image and nature of God, substituting himself for us. Now, Sitting down at the right hand of the Father, saying, It is finished on the cross. He's saying, He's saying, I am with you and I'm working through you. You know, a lot of times we think, Where are you, Lord? Well, and Jesus is saying to us, like he said to Philip in John 14, Don't you recognize me, Philip? I've been with you so long. Show us the Father, they said. Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus is saying, I've shown you myself. I've shown you. you have seen me at work in other people. You have seen me at work through yourself. Mother Teresa is saying, this is not about a transaction where we simply go and the, we, we, we input something into the suffering of the world, and we get the output that we are expecting. When we show up, God moves. He does something that we don't, cannot always account for. This past week, uh, David French, who writes a a column uh, in his um, his news organization called the Dispatch, he uh, David French is a Christian. He goes to a a church of a friend of mine. Um, Brilliant guy, a great writer. Uh, He served in Iraq, and uh, as he was looking at Kabul, at Afghanistan beginning to implode, he began to think about the futility of of that uh, effort over there that years and years and dollars and dollars and lives and beginning to feel that sense of futility he remembered a speech by general mathis that he was present for in 2017 he heard general mathis say this to the troops sort of impromptu it's a, now considered a pretty famous speech called hold the line speech he said this to his troops he was the sec, uh, Secretary of Defense at the time. He said, you're a great example to our country right now, speaking to naval officers and, and, uh, and army. You're a great example for our country right now, Mathis said. It's got some problems. You know it and I know it. It's got problems that we don't have in the military. You just hold the, the line, my fine young soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, You just hold the line until our country gets back to understanding and respecting each other, being friendly to one another, what Americans owe to one another. Sometimes we just simply have to enter into the sufferings of Christ in order to make things better for other people. And that's what you're called to do at times. And when we do that, he does something in us. Reminds me of this kind of famous great little Passage in uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe when Lucy uh, learns that Aslan, a lion, is a lion. And, and that lion represents Christ in the Lion, the Witch, the, the Narnia series. And Lucy finds out that Aslan is... He's been, she's been hearing all about Aslan and how wonderful he is and how great he is. And she finds out that he's a lion. And she says to Mr. Beaver... I know, it's a long story. If you don't know about this, I'm not going to explain to you that there was a beaver talking. But it's okay. So... So Lucy says to Mr. Beaver, I should be quite afraid to meet a lion. And he said, well, you should. You should be afraid. And she says, well, is he quite safe? And he said, of course he isn't safe. He's he's a lion. He's the great lion. He's not safe, but he is good. Over the next six weeks, let's approach the scriptures and our faith and our community Together, to be formed, and not just informed. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you that the work that you completed on the cross is aimed at us. In the quiet of this place, in these closing moments, Make our hearts tender to the gospel, not as advice, but as your meaningful, powerful self-expression. In Jesus' name.